Welcome into the Bucketeers, ladies and gentlemen, on this fine Saturday morning we got going here. We got playoff football on today. We got a couple of games. We'll get into those. We have perhaps a little bit of a Ryan Jensen update from one of our guys. He just texted me not too long ago, and I don't buy into these things too often, but take the news as you please. I, I allegedly have some Ryan Jensen news and we're going to get into the Bucks game so Katz is joining me we might get a couple more Huncho and Stun as well before we roll the intro though Katz how the hell are you doing this morning brother I'm good how about yourself good sir it's Saturday and we got playoff football on so it's a fun weekend we got on our hands we do yeah we get two lightning games and a Bucks game a Bucks playoff game actually might I add Got to cherish those because you never, you just never know how often or how how not often they'll come along. <laughs> we waited, what was that, 13, 14 years in between playoff games from 07 to 2020? Correct. And before, some of this was before my time, but from 70, I'm sorry, from 82 to 97, they didn't have any either. And I was alive for, well, I was born in 83, so I wasn't really lucky, I guess. I didn't really live through the 80s part of it, but... It still happened. They've had some long droughts. I don't want another one. <laughs> yeah, you've had two long droughts already. We don't need to get into the crux of a third long drought. So that starts with, you know, uh, continuing this playoff success this season and in the next year. Because to me, we'll get into it a little more as well. The NFC South is still open for the taking next year when you look around the division. No one's really screaming at the bit to take the division. I mean, Carolina doesn't have a quarterback. Atlanta doesn't have a quarterback. The Saints don't have a quarterback. So three teams in our division, three of which don't appear to have quarterbacks. And then you look at it as well, all these Tom Brady rumors. Why would he want to go to the AFC? Why would he want to compete with Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson, all those guys, when he could stay in the NFC and really it's him and who else? I mean, there's Aaron Rodgers, but he might be moving or retired and he didn't make the playoffs this year. There's Dak Prescott, but he's not as elite as the other AFC guys we named. There's Kirk Cousins, but you know this is troublesome when the names of Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott are being thrown around with the likes of Josh Allens and Lamar Jackson. So to me, Tom Brady's path is here to stay in the NFC as well, Catch. Real quick before we get into the playoffs and intro, what say you on that? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think also, you know, he's got he's forged relationships in the Buccaneer organization after spending twenty years in another organization. Um, that I don't think a lot of people ever envisioned that he'd be able to do. I think most people felt that it was New England and that would be it because not because they didn't think he could succeed elsewhere, although there were people that felt that, but because when you're there in one place for so long, it's hard to go somewhere else, let alone, you know, and integrate yourself into a totally different culture. And he's done that. He's He's been welcoming. They've been welcoming to him. But that's the most important thing to remember about Brady is he immediately – what people don't understand, and I don't want to get to ran here, but a lot of people think, well, Brady, no big deal. You know, he had a talented team with the Bucs. You know, yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, you could say that. But the teammate he is is remarkable. He went out and made sure to contact everybody immediately when he got here. He organized practices during COVID. He made sure to get to know his guys as best as he could, knowing there wouldn't be a training camp. And he, those bonds don't, don't die. They're still here. You know, maybe him and Mike Evans aren't always on the same page. As no QB receiver always are. 
know, they've had their, you know, this year, but they have a great relationship. And I just don't think necessarily he wants to do it again for what would be a second time to another different team. New coach, new owner. Yeah, I know. You know, Josh McDaniels, you know, he'd have Devontae Adams. But like you said, look at that division. You know, their owners, you know, he's got a good relationship with the Glazers. So, yeah, if he comes back, I'm leaning towards thinking it would actually be here if he does indeed come back, which I think deep down the decision already been made, but I don't know what the decision is. Yeah, and I agree with you as well after you said it last week and I dwelled upon it. I do think his decision is made already. I don't think these last couple games or this last game, hopefully not game, hopefully it's games, hinder his decision. But we'll get into that and so much more. We're going to roll the intro and Katz and I will be back here in a flash. We got a comment from our man, Mike Pucka and Mr. H. He was in last night, actually, a Nebraska guy. You know, great guy. My pops is best friend. He was in town last night, so I got to see him a little bit. Flight delayed, so sitting on a plane. What a great way to kill time. So, hey, Katz, we're we're doing the due diligence and uh, helping a good buddy out, at least with some sports talk, so. I'm glad we can entertain you because I can't handle sitting on planes. So I'm glad we can make your flight a little more enjoyable. Make sure to fasten your seatbelt. Planes, man, they get you. Planes will get you. And Tony Aguilini's watching. Our uh, Florida native is watching on Facebook as well. So Cats and Tampa Tones here to take you through your Saturday morning. We'll be here talking Bucks football and the Saturday playoff games. We're going to go ahead and roll the outdated intro. I know I need a new one. It's coming for the new season. And then we'll be back in a flash. Tampa Tones and A-Cats here on the Breakfast with the Bucketeers. Stay right there. We'll be back in a minute. Not too much longer. but you got to be a little enthusiastic after being there. Bro, that, that game atmosphere was ridiculous. Energy, electricity. That place was rocking anyone was there. And a lot of the, a lot of the uh, Super Bucks fans were there, too. Tampa Tones. We are joined by Lee Goon tonight, uh, host of the Pat and Aaron Show of WDAE. Uh, Pat Donovan, and it sounds like Stunna is bumbling a little bit, going to put him on mute for a second until that gets a little cleared, but we're joined by Pat Donovan. It looks like Stunna is hanging out with Cheech and Chong in a car with the windows up or something over there. (laughs) It does look like you got a little... No, my my, uh, camera's broke. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was our beloved intro. I, uh, I was reading some news, so I meant to play... A little bit more music coming out of the intro. So we'll throw some beats your way here in a minute. But I was reading all this news. And Cats, I think you'll be pretty interested in hearing this as well. Um, let me stop the music here now for the news <laughs> after playing it briefly. But we have a Jensen update. And this is from a source who is close with the Jensen family. And it looks like, you know, it it looks like it it might not be the actual injury that's bogging him down, perhaps. 
as much as it is in him getting in football shape. Mm. Let's just say it's the football shape that's more hindering his comeback ability. I mean, he's been, you know, not doing anything for six or seven months now. And we're not sure what the injury is. It's likely to do with an MCL. It's likely to do with an ACL. That's a word I'm getting. Um, again, not confirming anything, not sure what it has to do with the MCL or ACL, but I, I know it's related to that. And we know that Jensen is a bowl in a china shop right now when it comes to moving. He, he can move. He could run. He could block. He could do all those things. The biggest hindrance in Ryan Jensen right now, I'm getting word, is his ability to come back after six or seven weeks of being off of football, maybe not in the best football shape. So right now, if I were to piece these words together, and cats, you can make this what you want, but from these texts that I got from the source, and again, take it how you want. You know, everyone's source is different. I've never really broken news before, and I don't really break news too often. So the words I'm hearing on Saturday morning, January 14th, is Ryan Jensen physically is like a bowl in the china shop ready to roll out there but in terms of ability to come back after six or seven months off of football uh, it might be his football shape that's more so hindering him than his injury cats what are your thoughts and words about that that's coming from our source this morning so it seems like jensen an appearance can be monday and appearance can be next week it doesn't sound like the injury is holding him back it sounds like hey i'm a little I'm a little rusty on the edges here, fellas. I've been out of the football world for a little bit now. Well, if that's the case, then I think you perhaps dress him, but you don't expect him to be out there for every play. Now, granted, that's a limited capacity. I don't know what Hainsey's status is either. Um, but you can't, for example, put – if Ryan Jensen's not ready to play 65, 70, 75, 80 snaps, whatever it is, at center, and I don't think he could given what you just mentioned – you can't expect him to step in if Hainsey's hurt. That's going to be tricky. But I would dress him. You could always use him in certain formations as an extra lineman. I know he's a center, not a guard or a tackle. But still, I mean, if you have to, if you want to put a sixth lineman in there and it's Ryan Jensen, I don't really care where he's lining up. Um, he can certainly help for some plays. At least then you're getting him back into football shape and you're, you're in theory, helping yourself your chance to win the game. Now, maybe not by a lot because, again, it would be limited if we're thinking maybe 20 snaps or so in only certain formations, but you're still helping yourself to win the game and you're getting him back in football shape, especially potentially if you advance to an next game. So that would be my guess. Anyway, I'm just trying to think along what they can possibly do within his limitations. Yeah, and we kind of seen this earlier this year, right? Um, and we'll show a quick report, Jensen, nearly over injury may just need to get into quote unquote football shape. So again, he's been out for six to seven months now, and it seems like he's a bull in the China shop, a pair of news injury cats. I think you bring up a great point before we get back into some uh, Mike Puckhead comments, but I, we've seen this earlier this year when we played the Packers and David Bakhtiari was coming back from injury, right? He was out a while. He's their highest paid lineman. He's their, Jensen for I know we got worse so actually worse is pretty 
more comparable because they're both tackles. But nonetheless, in terms of heart and soul of the team and the line, he's kind of like their Jensen. So we've seen the Packers ease Bakhtiari in this year. You know what I'm saying? He didn't come in and play 100% of the snaps right away. Hell, he didn't come in and play 80%. He didn't come in and play 90%. I think they sprinkled him in. I think he was rotating series at one point with their other tackle. And he might even have only been playing one out of every three series or such. So is this comparable to the Packers with the Bakhtiari situation to you where Monday or next week we might see Jensen a handful of snaps and the week after maybe a handful more and then it ramps up a little bit, never to the extent from now until the Super Bowl of, hey, we're going to get 100% of Ryan Jensen. But surely if he is over the injury as he might be, it, it could be a matter of time and not a matter of when or if i think so the only tricky thing to me about it if we're making differentiate is he's a center so he's touching the ball every play in theory mm-hmm. anyway snapping the ball every play which gives him an extra extra work involved that not that you know in, not only are you blocking but you're also having to snap the ball so i don't i i mean i guess you know i would wonder do they put him at guard i've seen some people bring that up that possibility would they, and if he can't, if they feel like he couldn't get back into playing center? Because the only thing what would concern me is if you, for example, are rotating series with him. So, and I'm sure Brady would be fine with it, but nonetheless, he's snapping the ball to Brady on one series. He comes off, let's say after you know five, ten plays, whatever. Next series, you've got I don't know, is Hainsy available? If not, is Nick Leverett? Then you're going back to Jensen. I don't know how that would work um, when you're rotating centers. That's my only concern about it. And why I was thinking they might use him at guard, perhaps, or as only as limited as in certain jumbo formations. That's something I've not seen before. I've not seen a team that I can remember in a given game switch centers repeatedly or off and on through series. I've seen them do it due to injury. happens all the time, but I've never seen them do it that way where they keep rotating back and forth at that position. I'm sure it's happened. I just don't remember it. And to kind of allude to your point, I don't really remember seeing it either as well, but just to kind of overcome or uh, to go in about Ryan Jensen detail a little bit in his career to this point to kind of, it's kind of a cool story. The Ravens actually cut him at one point and then brought him back on board way back in the day when he was a Raven. And then listen to this in 2014, he appeared in one game for Baltimore only as a tackle and he wore number 77. So, (laughs) And then uh, at left guard, 11 games played in 2015 as left guard. And then in 2016, he was a tackle again. Then in 2017, he was a center. But since 2017, he's only played at center. Katz, do you think the ability, I know it's been a while, but since he's been tackle, guard, center, do you think we could maybe see him in a different position outside the center position since his ability has shown he could do that perhaps? Yes. Yeah. When you've done it for as long as he has and done it as well for as long as he has at every position. Now, I know he's really made his name as a center, uh, but as a guard, I recall he was pretty effective as well. So, yes, I think once you've learned how to do something, you've done it this long. I don't think it would be an issue for him stepping in uh, at a different position. Tackle would be tricky, but thankfully, knock on wood, it looks like, you know, obviously Donovan and, um, and Tristan will be in there. But, yes, I think he could certainly be effective at, at guard, maybe even from and one I'm, place. 
I'm getting another word here. I guess my wording was a little off. So this is even better news if this is the case. Jensen healed over injury. So Jensen is healed, it sounds like, completely. I had nearly healed. Um, it, it is healed, and Jay says it's safe to say he's not injured anymore but needs to get see. So we're hearing the same here from Jay as well. Um, he has the same thought as well. It's safe to say he's not injured anymore but needs to get back into football shape for sure. He hasn't played or done anything in a long time. Two weeks isn't a lot of time to get. So Jay uh -huh. is saying what we're saying pretty much. Um, he's the, What we heard is what Jay is saying. He's healed, but the football shape is in question, Cats. Well, and I feel like, you know, if we keep in mind Chris Godwin earlier this season – you know, he was on a limited snap count, wasn't he? I think, right? Because mm -hmm. how long had it been since he played? Um, Vita Vea in 2020 returned to the NFC title game after injuring himself in, I believe it was the Chicago game, week five maybe. But that was, so what, that was about three months maybe? So this has been, been three months? It's a little longer than that actually. I think it's been a little longer, but you could make some sort of comparison because Vita Vea was able to come back. He was certainly effective. He didn't play. You know, again, he was limited as far as how many snap counts he could play. And I guess that's my only concern is you don't, you know, see as much rotation on offensive lines as you do in, at defensive line at receiver. It just seems like it's a position where you want to keep the whole group intact throughout the whole game. But that doesn't mean that you don't play him if he's available, even if it's at a limited capacity as far as how many snaps he could do because he's just too special a player. I agree with that, like you alluded to as well. Vita Vea during her Super Bowl run, we brought him back. I think it was maybe only 10 to 15 snaps the first game he played against yep. Green Bay, I want to say. And those were a big 10 to 15 snaps. When Vita Vea yep. was in that game, although injured, he was a people mover. You know, Disney World has a ride right. called the People Mover. And that reminds me of Vita Vea because he's just moving people out of his way out there. And that's what he did. And Jensen could do the same thing. Mike has a question. Is Jensen under contract for next year? Yes, we got him back on a three-year deal, and he has a big signing bonus heading into next year. So safe to say, Red is not going anywhere anytime soon. We're going to have him at least a couple more years. And as Katz and I said earlier, that's a good thing because this division is so up for grabs, especially in the near future. And yeah, I'm pretty ecstatic that Dennis Allen is returning to coach the Saints because to me, he's not a very good head coach and then Jay adds in now if Ryan doesn't play Monday don't be shocked what he's overcome is absolutely amazing I I hear you Jay I agree with you it, it's a lot to overcome but really I guess too we, we're getting word the past couple of days that Nick Lever it might be a little banged up obviously uh Hainsey not that He's in question of missing the game, but he might be playing a little hurt out there. So we might be a little short-staffed or understaffed or under-health out there. So it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. But it appears if Ryan Jensen is healthy, but it's more of the football shape that might make his Monday return all that more unlikely. Stunner, are you with us, brother? Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. What's going on, brother? How you doing? Uh, Katz and I have just uh, been going over some interesting news we received this morning, and that news is it appears Ryan Jensen healed. He's healthy from his uh, MCL-ACL injury, and presumably ACL-MCL injury. Can't confirm that's what it was 
But it's the football shape aspect, him not playing in six to seven months now, which is hindering his availability for Monday. Uh, do you believe that to be the true case as uh, we're being told? Oh, they're holding him out because they don't think he's in football shape? Is that what they're, they're being told? Presumably, that's what the news was this morning. It seems like he is healed, quote-unquote, and it's more so of a football shape thing that's holding him back at this point. I don't know. Um, if you rush back from an injury, you can cause a re-injury. That, that, there's some truth to that. Um, <clears throat> you know, but as far as being in football shape, if he, you know, I, I don't know if he's been able to run full speed with an injury or whatever, but these guys train year round. So they're, they're usually in good shape. They're, they're, you know, professional athletes or highly conditioned athletes. But, uh, you know, I think they probably, I think there's something like they want to rush him back to get him re-injured and they probably think they can beat the Cowboys who want to save him for that next round. Yeah. And, and the other thing is as well, um, we need some offensive line, but we'll talk about these splits here quickly as well. I want to get your opinion here, Katz, on this first. Jason Garrett, former Cowboys head coach, brought up some very interesting numbers, broke it down to the point where Micah Parsons and the rest of the Cowboys defense is a lot more scary to battle with on turf opposed to grass. I'll get the specific splits up in a minute, but it kind of went to the extent of, Oh, Michael Parsons had six double-digit sack game this year. Those all have come on turf. None have appeared on grass. I think 12 of his 13-and-a-half sacks have come on turf opposed to grass, which should be good news for this Bucks on Monday if their offensive line is together. Do you buy into that, playing a big factor here at all on Monday night? <laughs> uh, no, not really. Um, I mean, it's it's an interesting stat. It's even he's, you know, his game is very much based. A lot of it is based on speed. So it doesn't exactly shock me, but he's a remarkably talented player. And this is a playoff game. I can't imagine it hindering him very much. Now, even if it's a little, that's something, but I, I don't see it being a factor. Although I appreciate Jason Garrett breaking that down because I, I wouldn't have guessed that it, it's something. It's definitely not something I would have expected when you're talking about these gifted players, but I don't know. It's just not enough of a it's not enough sample size for me to really get too excited over that. Stana, what say you? Um, I don't think it'll affect our game because the Buccaneers grass is a fast track. You know, the grass is uh, comparable to what you would see on a golf course where, if you you know, if you say on grass, you'd be talking about on grass at Washington or at Green Bay or one of these you know, quagmire type of uh, grass surfaces that isn't going to give you the traction or the or the speed that you would have on a fast track. So the fact that our grass is more like a fast track, more like a turf field, is really going to take that uh, out of the equation. And it is kind of crazy because uh, it says on grass this year, the Cowboys are the 20th best at EPA per play allowed. On turf this year, they're second best. So that is a big 18 uh, rank rank differential in EPA per play allowed. And according to this expert, quote-unquote expert, Brett Coleman, um, he says that Bucks grass is like Bermuda grass, which means it's even worse for the Cowboys to play on than if it were just, you know, healthy, normal-type grass. So that appears to even bode better for the Bucks after all of this. And uh, Jay Garrison says once again, yeah, but jumping back to Ryan real quick, 
people got to understand that if he's playing, he's not playing injured. You don't want 21 days to get over injury. You get in there to get in football shape, and that's hard to do in a couple weeks. So, Stunna, again, to refute your point, he's saying he is healthy, and it's very, really just more so of a football shape thing and not an injury thing. Well, yeah, it's a football shape thing because if you rush back from an injury, you go out there and pull a quad or pull a ham or, or pull a groin, which is what I said. You can go out and, and force a new injury. Correct. So, yeah, I think just a little little wording. of the. I, I think you guys are on the same page. I think the verbiage just might have got blundered in a little bit. But nonetheless, guys, we're here on the Bucketeers for about 20, 19, 20 more minutes or so. Stunna Cats, Tampa Tones here on this beautiful Saturday morning. Since it's Saturday, we got a couple other playoff games on our Let hand. me say one thing, Tone, real quick. Yeah, that happened to Chris Godwin. Did it, week one, Chris Godwin played and hurt again. Did he not? Yeah, correct. If I'm not mistaken. And missed the yep. few games. Yeah, and it was a so, soft tissue injury, correct. Yeah. So, I mean, that's concerning. And now, granted, this is a playoff game, so he might be thinking, all right, if he, you know, I don't know if they're thinking this, and they shouldn't, but they might be you know, they might, as long as they tell them about all the possibilities, like, look, if you get hurt, you know, is there a risk that the beginning of next season would be in jeopardy? I don't know. Maybe not. I'm not a doctor. So if they're thinking, no, the worst thing that can happen is, you know, you pull a groin, whatever it might be, and so be it. But, you know, since we're at the end, well, at most, you'll have four more games. You hope we do. So that might factor into it. You might say, you know what, I'm, you know, I'm not worried about seriously re-injuring it because I'm completely healed. So let's go ahead and do it. Now, early in the year with Godwin, there was a whole season ahead. And whatever the injury was, I got, we better be careful here and sit him down for a few weeks. I guess, you know, so, yeah, that's always a risk. And that was on turf also. That was on Dallas's turf, too, which can be good... even worse. Yeah, a lot of good points there, Cats. I think the Godwin comp is a good one because uh, at the beginning of the year, Yes, it was a little different in my opinion as well because you had a whole season ahead of you and regular season games aren't as, you know, critical. So to me that was a little different. Now you're staring the end of the season in the eyes. So if you do get a little tweak, at least you have a whole off season to try and recover. It was probably, I'm going to say right now, and I hate to do this, but I will say it now, and there's some hindsight here. Bringing him back in week one, and then week two, both games on the road on our official turf was probably a dumb move. And I try not to criticize the training staff because obviously the player can talk themselves into it, into playing. So I'm not saying that's not what happened, but it was a dumb move, really, if we're going to be honest about it. Um, in my looking back now, just given that it's very easy to get hurt on artificial turf, especially for a wide receiver, I think, given how important speed is. And given how much you have to use your legs, especially at that position, and given the injury he had, I think now looking back, it was predictable that he would re-injure it on Dallas on that turf, not grass. So, yeah, you know, what's done is done, obviously. You can't go back and fix it. It happened. It's done. But it just came to mind. I was like, you know what? That was a real dumb thing to do, bring him back in week one or two against on, on the road on, on turf. It just came to me. All right, I'm done. <laughs> Move on. No, that's a good one, though. I, uh, you you keep bringing up good points and good comps, and that was on turf. This is on grass. So uh, interesting to hear it all, kind of a couple different opinions, grass versus turf. But at the end of the day, we all want Big Red out there. But 
we want him out there battling, you know what I'm saying? So at least, uh, you know, if he get, if he does get out I there, I don't want Luke Gedicke out there, honestly. Yeah. Yep. Amen to that. <laughs> and yeah. Nick Levera is a little banged up now. So we'll talk about that quick. Since we're on the O-line, then we'll get into some Saturday games and whatnot. Do you guys think they're rusting Nick Levera is more so precautionary reasonings, or do you guys have any reason to believe he's actually truly banged up? Because as we heard Yesterday on the injury report, he was taking a practice off. He had a couple problems with him. It sounds like he was a non-participant yesterday, and Leverett set out with a knee and shoulder issue. Obviously, he's been the Bucks' starting left guard for the second half of the season primarily. So, Katz, do you think this Leverett thing is a concern, or do you think it's more of a rest-assured type thing? I think at this point of the season, if you're an offensive lineman or any position, I think you're sore in many areas. I think it's more precautionary than anything, which is a smart thing to do. Stunna, what say you? I agree with Katz here. I agree, and uh, it just shows how Bulls is a smart coach when it comes to player safety, and that's why he's a player coach. Yep, I agree there. Todd Bowles has made strides over the past four to six weeks, in my opinion, and he's showing that, and whether it's the way he's handled injuries or his post-game pressers. I just feel like getting to the playoffs relieved the big burden off his chest. Mike says, at this stage of the year, I'm sure everyone has a nagging injury, no matter the severity. That's pretty much what Kat said, and I agree to some extent, definitely for sure. So, uh, yeah, they're probably rusting Leverant more so to be a cautionary tale more than not. Real quick, fellas, two games today, then we're going to get into score predictions, player of the game talks, one big things, etc. Seahawks at 49ers. Let's lay out the NFC. If Seattle were to win this game somehow, Bucks would play the winner of Vikings-Giants. So you'd either go to Minnesota, or be home against the Giants if Seattle wins. So if Seattle wins, it makes Bucks' lives easier, presumably, if we're able to win Monday night. If San Fran wins, that opens up a can of worms, and Bucks could end up playing a plethora of teams. They could end up playing anyone such as Philly, San Fran, or... Uh, Minnesota based on how that shakes out because then if San Fran wins and the Giants win that means the Giants play the Eagles and Bucks play San Fran if San Fran and Minnesota wins that means that um, the Bucks play the <laughs> so there's a couple different scenarios out there but Seattle's getting nine and a half points today at San Fran that game is 430 Eastern San Fran has beat them twice this year Cats, do you have any faith in Seattle trying to win this game with Geno Smith? No, not because of Geno Smith, even, mind you, because I think he's done a great job, you know, this year. I just don't see Seattle on any circumstances being playing at the level the 49ers are at right now, all across the board. Offense, defense, coaching especially. I think Mike, um, Mike Shanahan, wow, he was a good coach. Uh, but his, his son, Kyle, and his staff are a brilliant coaching staff, I believe. They're always a step ahead of everybody. They're making this work with, well, quote-unquote, mystery relevant. All the dude looks really good. But playing in a system that's so quarterback-friendly certainly helps. And D'Amico Ryan's and his defense, I see this one being very lopsided in the 49ers' favor. 
Hey, and uh, I feel like that's how majority of the people see it playing out. But Mike, Mike Diaz, upset city. Seahawks shocked the world. 28 to 17. The only way, I, I'm not saying this is impossible to happen, what Mike's saying. The way to get there, you pressure the hell out of Brock Purdy. You get to Brock Purdy, you bring him down a couple of times, you force a couple turnovers early on. Next thing you know, you're asking Brock Purdy to throw the ball 20, 30 times in the second half alone, and you're not really using your run game much. This is if Seattle gets up 10 to 4. You know, this is if Seattle somehow gets up double digits, gets them off their game plan. That's the only way, to me, Seattle controls the narrative by that big of a discrepancy in this one. Is if they're going to need, yeah, they would need like a special teams play, like a kickoff return for a touchdown, you know, a fumble by the 49ers on a punt return, return for a touchdown. They need some big breaks to go their way and they need to make some of their own, you know, in terms of turnovers, get some short fields. Because otherwise, I just don't see how they can piece together drives consistently to put up that many points. And their one lucky is their godfather, James Rubright's in the house watching on Facebook, along with. Nilo Aristronius, thanks so much, you two, for joining us right now on Facebook, on the Bucketeers Facebook Live. But, yeah, it it would take a back-in touchdown. Now, that's what I'm saying. If you're able to pressure Purdy early, you cause a strip sack, you give the Seahawks good field position, Geno's able to get one. The next thing you know, you hold him. Then you get a punt return that sets you up in field goal range. Next thing you know, you're up 10 to nothing, and they got the ball first. That would be incredible, and that's a scenario where Seattle will actually have a legitimate chances by making Brock Purdy not play his game. But to me, San Fran's fingerprints are on this one. I do think Seattle keeps it close. So as James says, go Bucks, the godfather. Go Bucks. We appreciate that. Stana, what say you? Do you think that San Fran blows them out in this one, like Kat says, or are you leaning with Mike D with the upset Seattle Seahawks? No, uh, I see a blowout. The only way Seattle can compete is like a shootout, <clears throat> like a 30-35 game or something. Seattle has the weakest rush uh, defense, and San Francisco has the best rushing offense. I think the game for the Bucks fans to watch is going to be the Vikings-Giants because if the Giants win, then, then we can host another game. Or no, we won't host another game, but we will go to San Francisco. Excuse me, so... We're either going to go to Philly or San Fran, depending on the Vikings-Giants game. And uh, the two the, the two close games in the NFC will be ours and the game between uh, Vikings-Giants. And one of the reasons why Seattle's run defense is so porous to this point, their two best defenders or two of their better defenders, Jamal Adams and Jordan Brooks, are out at this point as well. So for those Bucks fans out there wondering for a comparison to that, It'd be like if we were without Antoine Winfield and Devin White at this point of our season for Seattle's team. So that's a big blow for them, and that is why San Fran is a a 9.5-point favorite. And then in tonight's game, we got a fun one, guys. We got the Battle of the Flows, the Battle of the Young Guns, the Battle of the Young Slingers, the Battle of uh, a veteran Super Bowl-winning coach against a young coach who keeps making a lot of mistakes. He got Mike Williams hurt last week in a meaningless game. So Brandon Staley, his job could be on the line like Mike McCarthy's. But Jacksonville is underdogs at home. Two and a half point underdogs. And keep in mind, 
the Chargers are traveling all the way from Los Angeles, California, all the way to Jacksonville, Florida, with a big time gap differential in between as well. So not so easy if you're Justin Herbert, Brandon Staley, and the Chargers. We'll start with you this time, Stunna. Jacksonville plus two and a half. Are you taking the points in Jags, or you think Chargers save Brandon Staley another year of coaching? No, Jacksonville definitely is right for the upset there. I don't know how good the Chargers are, you know. I know that Mike Williams got hurt last week. And um, the Jacksonville, man, we went up there a couple years ago uh, when we played there, um, uh, 2019. And, uh, you know, their fans are right. You know, they, they, they brought a good crowd that day. So their fans are right. They, they, you know, they, they're excited for their team. Um, they're a lot, they mirror the bucks a lot. And, um, the Doug Peterson is a good coach, man. I, you can't say Philly messed up by cutting him, but, uh, he's doing a great job at Jacksonville and I definitely see them covering that. And cats, what say you on that? Do you think Jacksonville covers a plus two and a half or would you, lay down the points with the Chargers and Brandon Staley? Well, that's a tough one. I think the Chargers win the game, and given that by a very narrow margin, um, given that so many games are – most games don't seem to be decided by one or two points, I'm going to take the, the Chargers here. Barely. I see it being like a three- to four-point margin. And when you look on paper, the moves they made this offseason, getting Khalil Mack, getting a couple of other guys as well, you were to say, oh, the Chargers should be, you know, J.C. Jackson came from New England as well. You thought the Chargers, or we thought the Chargers were all primed for a good year, and they still had a good year, but this game's pivotal for them. They're kind of like the Cowboys. They need a win to solidify their future a little bit. Right now, it's a coin flip, so we'll see how it goes, but. It'll be a fun one to me. They've Mike overcome said, a lot, though. You got to give them credit, though. I mean, they've. I know that he, someone got hurt. I know Williams got hurt last week. They've overcome a lot of injuries this year. I feel like they are constantly one of the most injured teams. And that's why, to me, no matter what happens, I think Staley comes back. I mean, because they could have easily folded many times with the injuries they've had this season, and someone else could have slipped into that spot, whether it be doing or and they. So, I think he's done a good job, and I think he gets a win today. I think between Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, J.C. Jackson, three very significant players, they all missed a, ch- a good chunk of games this season for the Chargers. So as Katz is alluding to, they had a little bit of a uphill battle this year. Our boy Mike from Canada is saying Fabio, meaning Trevor Lawrence, I believe, with that long Goldilocks type hair. We'll get his first. So Mike has two blowout wins for the underdogs today. Mike has the Jaguars winning and the Seahawks winning. So interesting enough, guys, before we close out our Bucks games, thoughts with our score predictions and player of the game predictions, we're just going to do real quick, brief activity for the Sunday games. We're not going to predict who's winning or losing. We're just merely going to go through them quick. And you say thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up means you're going to watch a game and you're fully interested in it. Thumbs down means, and eh, this game doesn't really do it for me, given the current nature of it. And we got three of them tomorrow. So we'll start with Cats here, then we'll go to Stunna, then we'll go to myself if we need any tiebreakers. Cats, tomorrow, 1 o'clock Eastern, we have Miami going to Buffalo. Miami's 13.5-point underdogs, and they're likely to play Skylar Thompson. You might see a little 
Mike Glennon over under sitting at 43 and a half. Remember, Miami is one and one against Buffalo this year, but both of those games are with Tua Tunga Viola, which makes all the difference in the world. Mike D is giving this one a thumbs down. Cats, are you with Mike on this one? Thumbs down, or are you seeing the glass half full in Miami Buffalo? Thumbs down. Stana, what's Not a compelling you? matchup given the circumstances. I agree well, there, Kat. Given the circumstances, it's hard to make a case for thumbs up. And, you know, and it, it's really hard. Even with Teddy Bridgewater, it would get a little bit more of a decent look, but still hard for me to give it a thumbs up. Stun a thumbs up, thumbs down for Bills fins. Bills will cover. So you're giving a thumbs down pretty much as well, signifying a blowout. Yeah, I'll go thumbs. Eh, I'll go thumbs medium. I'll go sideways just because I don't think it'll be a really good game, but I personally like Mike McDaniel, so I'm playing into favoritism a little bit there and uh, saying for that point, I don't think it's a competitive game, but I'm a little intrigued to see what Mike McDaniel brings to the table. Tomorrow, 4.30 Eastern, Giants are traveling to Minnesota Giants are getting three points over under 46 and a half, or I'm sorry, 48 and a half. To me, this is probably going to be the closest NFC game on the docket besides ours. Cats, thumbs up, thumbs down on this one. Thumbs up on this one. Mike agrees with you as well. Two thumbs up there. Stunna, thumbs up, thumbs down. Giants, Vikings, 430 Eastern tomorrow. I like the Giants. So you're going to give it a thumbs up. And so does Jay. Jay likes the Giants as well. So we got three giant picks right there. And that's a, to me, that means Stun is giving a thumbs up because he is the underdog winning. Anytime an underdog wins a playoff game, that's a fun one. I'm going thumbs up in this one as well. Where I'm going different, I'm going Minnesota. And I think that's just because they're home. To me, if the Giants are home, they win this game. But the fact Minnesota's home, they play in that loud dome. We've seen them overcome some crazy comebacks this year, for better or for worse, whether that is a bad thing or a good thing for them. So uh, three thumbs up nonetheless. Then tomorrow night game, 8.15 Eastern time. You got Tyler Huntley and the Ravens, it looks like. Lamar's out, and it looks like Anthony Brown will be the backup. So it looks like Tyler Huntley should be good enough to play. Ravens are getting eight and a half heading into Cincinnati who's played eh, only one game really in the past three weeks. Cats, we'll start with you. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Ravens, Bengals. I don't find the, I don't think it's going to be, uh, I'm going to go thumbs down on this (laughs) because Lamar is not playing mainly. If he were playing, I'd be a lot more intrigued. More than fair. Stunna, are you in agreement with Katz? Do you think this game's uninteresting now that Lamar's out, or do you think Tyler Huntley deserves a thumbs up and keeping this one close? No, I'm thumbs down. I think Baltimore needs to go ahead and move on from Lamar. I think Lamar needs to get a go to go to a team that's going to use him as a traditional quarterback and whatever he makes off script, kind of like a Patrick Mahomes style. He, his body can't survive running the option in the NFL, and that's why teams don't run the option in the NFL. And uh, so I definitely look at uh, – I look for them to uh, Baltimore to lose. Their defense will, will keep them in the game. 
Mighty I don't know. This, I don't know the spread. It's um eight and a half. Yeah, I, the, the, I think Baltimore will cover, but lose. I'm in agreement with that. Mike D says thumbs down. Bengals win easily. I'm going to be the only one to give this game a thumbs up. I know Lamar Jackson's out and all that stuff, so it's going to be a hard game to perhaps stomach. But let me put it like this. Harbaugh and co. last week, Bengals had all the you know stories surrounding him, all the heartfelt momentum on their side, and they're the superior team. But Vike, or uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting my purple teams confused. Ravens on their third string quarterback only lost by 11 last week. So I think the Ravens do cover this one. They might lose by seven or eight. But the play I like here, I like the over. It's sitting right at 40 and a half. To me, the Bengals and Ravens easily compile over that 40 and a half themselves. Shout out to Melody Waters joining us on Facebook this evening as we begin to wrap up the bucketeers here we're going to give our score predictions our player of the game predictions and then one big thing and walk off and i'm thinking here monday we're not going to come on long at all literally but monday we're going to do literally just a shorty a 20 minute guy sometime before the game sometime in between 4 30 and uh 6 30 to 7 30 eastern time so be on the lookout for that but monday we're going to do a 20 minute guy we're just going to be bringing you any late news that might have came out any last minute words or updates for the game because we don't want this to be our last game of the season and we want to put out more content so we'll be back briefly monday but we're still going to do score predictions player of the game predictions and our one big thing and walk off for the games today and we're going to start with mr Katz for the score and his player of the game prediction for Monday Night Football Cats score and player of the game. Or are we moving on to next Sunday? Yes, uh, I do believe Bucks pull this out 23 to 20. It's going to be very tight. And I'm going to give Tom Brady the player of the game. Um, don't think he's going to put up the numbers are going to be spectacular for him. But I think when the key moments are there, he's going to have a chance. And I think he's going to do what he's always done. And I think the Bucks pull this one out. In large, oh. large part, thanks to him. I, I love that. Everything about that between TB12, the win. Ooh, I, I'd love that first-round victory. Stunna, are you with Cats? you think it's going to be a close Bucks win led by TB12, or where are you going with your player of the game and score, sir? Yes, I think it's going to be a close game led by um our defense our defense is on our defense they start to run if they can start to run you know they used to be our pride and joy this year we struggled at it you know can we get that old that old buck defensive field back if we can stop the run i like our chances if we can't it's gonna get ugly but um i'm gonna take the bucks 26 24 so you're playing game uh, the game is carl nassib off the bench Nassib, the Penn Stater. I love me some Carl Nassib. I mean, the energy he's brought to the team this year. And look, I love the guy for what he does on the field, and I respect him a hell of a lot for, you know, being so open about who he is in the NFL. Not something easy this day and age. And he's still so successful out there. I mean, nothing against guys like Michael Sam, but to me, his was more of a public. I, I, I think I, – I mean, let me challenge that. I think he's successful with the Bucks. You know, he's always been a great player for us. He he had problems in Cleveland, had problems in uh, the Raiders. 
But when he's yeah. a bug, it's like he's home, and it's like he plays harder for us. That's why I always like NASA. But I think he did pretty good with the Browns. I think he got the short end of the stick in Cleveland, to be honest. I mean, you could argue that his Raiders tenure wasn't that great. I'll give you that. But was it Gruden's fault? Was it Mayock's fault? Was it Nassib's fault? Um, you know, there was a lot of punches to be thrown there. I do give you this. He has played his best football as a Buccaneer in his career. That's quite frankly the most honest thing about that. But I will say, to me, the Michael Sam thing, more of a publicity stunt. What Nassib has been able to do with change in the NFL, being this aggressor, being this great of a human being, he's paved the way for a lot of people to me. And uh, that's why I respect the hell out of Carl Nassib, and that's why he is one of my favorite Bucks. Not only because he's a Penn State Nittany Lion, but he's just a stand-up class act on and off the field. So, Cats, any words on Nassib quick before we get to uh, my prediction and player of the game? Oh, yeah, I would agree with you 100% on Nassib. And he's been – he has indeed. You're right. He has had his best success here in Tampa. Um, I think, you know, the Bucks. I think a large part of that is like you, you know, said his tenure in Cleveland did not go that well. Uh, I think he was welcomed here with open arms. He, you know, went to Las Vegas because he earned that, that payday that he got. And, you know, Vegas was a bit dysfunctional last year. I mean, they did make the playoffs, but all the issues they had. And I think he's enjoying being back here. Uh, same, uh, you know, with the group that he really started his career with. Got his start, anyway. Got his first taste of success with, is what I should say, at the NFL level. I think he's more more at ease here. Agreed completely with you there, Katz. Mike says, uh, obviously, Bucks win 27-20. Player of the game, Mike Evans. Let me write that down uh, quick. Mike says, Evans 27-20. And then Jay says, I think this game is going to be a shocker. Different Bucks team, Lunny and Rashad White run it up on them. So Jay goes run game, Lunny F. White. And then he says 34-20. Wow, he's predicting a big Bucks win, which would be incredible. And then Mike says, I don't care about Nassib. Yep, Mike, that's pretty much it. Nassib's a great guy. My point was he's paved the way for some who might have felt rather uncomfortable at one point in time. And Nassib's done a great job of fitting right in, just like a glove with the rest of the locker room. So kudos to the Bucks and Nassib, and hopefully he has an incredible game. I'm going to go with Bucks. Oh, let's see. I've not Ironically enough, I don't think they're going to settle for field goals, not just suck-ups wrongdoing, but I just don't think they're going to be settling. I got it 28-20 to 20, Tampa. I think we win by eight. I think uh, we don't see suck up out there too much. And my player of the game, it's going to be Akeem Hicks. I think Akeem Hicks has one of those games on defense that you remember for a very long time as a Bucks fan, helping stuff Pollard, helping stuff Zeke, helping stuff all that good stuff. And Pops says 31-27 with Levante. David is his player of the game. So, we got Levante, we got Akeem Hicks, we got Tom Brady, we got Mike Evans, and then we got Carl Nassib, player of the game, then Lenny White, Rashad F. With all Bucks wins, fellas, so we're all hoping for the same thing with a plethora. No one's named the same player of the game. Cats had Brady, Stun had Nassib, I had Hicks, Pops had Levante David. Hey, Jay Levante had David had a great game against Carolina. I'd say that yeah, much. Yeah. And, uh, and Hicks just got his first sack against Atlanta the other day. 
And did you see him? He lined up as an edge out there. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine Akeem Hicks coming at you as an edge rusher? I mean, just I literally. feel like they need to do that more with Vita Vea, put him on the edge. I agree with you there, especially given the lack of, you know, that we don't have a lot of depth at that position. I absolutely, in certain scenarios, would do that. I mean, think absolutely. about it. He, if he's on the edge and then up the middle, you put Vita Vea, Will Golston, and Pat O'Connor on the line or something like that, and then you come with a guy like Akeem Hicks off the edge, that's so much body mass flying your way, coming at you. It's almost like you don't have enough guys to block all that and whatnot. But Jay actually well, said his player of the game quick is Devin White in SMB. Stunned, did you have something to add? Yeah, your left tackle usually finesse player. So you put someone like Vita Veda on him, he's getting he, he's going to get bull rushed. Correct. Like, I mean, we we like Donovan Smith, but take that, for example, Vita against Donnie. I think Vita would, ooh, you know, kind of run him right over. One big thing in walk-off, fellas, like I said, uh, whether I'm solo or with a couple of the Bucketeers, we're going to be back only for 20 minutes on Monday, not a long episode by any stretch of the imagination, but more to hype up or so. Cats. What is your one big thing and walk off for it could be about football this weekend, it could be about the Monday night game, anything about playoff football in general or the Bucks. And Jay Garrison said, Has the Bucks lost a game when Vea and Hicks were in healthy? I think once only Jay. I think one game they've lost when both have been on the field together. Cats, yeah, I walk think- off and one big thing for this huge football weekend, brother. Yeah, I truly believe, you know, it's a bit different than we faced Dallas week one this year, week one last year, and they threw the ball very well on us uh, two years ago. That was two years ago now. Um, I believe that how things are a bit different now. And if you stop their run game, yeah, I don't think they don't have as much talent on the outside as they did when we saw them 2021 week one, and they were able to throw the ball very effectively on us. If you stop the run, I still believe that you'll make Dak Prescott look silly and stupid. Um, Let's do that. Let's win this game. We're going to. We're going to send Dak Prescott into a long offseason where he's just staring at his cell phone background and trying to take pictures of himself for a cell phone background all season. He's going to have plenty of time to do that. And let's send all these creepy Cowboy fans that live here home to their homes in Tampa, St. Pete, wherever, and turn them back into Buck fans like they are every other week. And that's all I got to say, y'all. Isn't that aw- or not awesome? Isn't that hilarious in the Tampa area? Everyone's a Bucks fan until they play their quote unquote team, and then they pull out the reversible Dak Prescott, Tony Romo, blue and white jersey that's crusty that they've had since like 1942, and it's just one of those things. Mike says no turnovers, play composed, no stupid penalties, pushing training staff. Yeah, we can't have a Packers-type play out there where we're pushing the training staff around. But, Cats, I think you bring up some good points in your walk-off. Stunna, what's your walk-off and one big thing, brother, about playoff football this weekend or about the Bucks? Playoff weekend is great. We have to enjoy these days where we have football, all right, and uh, just really relish in it. And... Big thing, man. Tom Brady gave us three years of three championships, okay? All this Tom Brady uh, back talk is nonsense, okay? Tom Brady gave us a Super Bowl championship and two NFC South Division championships, and we hadn't had one since 2007 before he stepped foot in the building. So please stop uh, disrespecting the GOAT. 
All right, and then the, and then my uh, walk off, just like Cat said, make these Dallas fans sit on their hands. Defense show up for once. We're at home in the playoffs, and these guys just lost to Washington. Come out there, shut their ass down. They don't have Amari Cooper anymore. You got one, you got one receiver that's a deep threat. Go out there, shut their ass down. Keep them to keep them to a low score, and so that the fans can shut up. And we have to score a couple times so we can fire the gosh darn cannons. Go Bucks. That, love that. Love every bit of that. I think you guys are both right. Defense needs to show up. Running defense has to show up and have Dak Prescott throw. He's been a turnover machine lately, throwing interceptions in the past six or seven games, I believe, and he leads the league in interceptions. And Pop says he agrees with Katz and Stunna, where you got to stop the run, make Dak throw a little bit. Shout out to Kevin McCormick watching on Facebook couple more comments here before I do my one big thing and walk off, then we get any last words. Jay says, remember when the Niners spanked us earlier? I want to spank them like we did the Saints in the divisional round. My pops and I were actually talking about that a little bit the other day, yesterday maybe. We're like, eh, you know, I mean, we want the easiest path. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes the hardest path is the path that motivates you the most. Like when we had I mean, commanders were eh, but then you had the Saints with Drew Brees, the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, the Chiefs with Mahomes. Absolutely terrifying, and we tore it up. Jay Garrison Brady will be back in 23. He's going to rock that throwback uni. Yeah, and funny story behind that. When he wore it earlier this week, he said that Doug Williams actually gave it to him as a gift. So Doug Williams reached out to Tom Brady and gave him that creamsicle number 12 jersey that's amazing to hear and I think Brady I've said it for at least a month or two now I think it's bucks to retire for Brady I don't think he goes anywhere else I don't think he wants to do it all over again and quite frankly I think he's pretty happy in Tampa he seems like a happier man with a lot less stress if you're catching my gif and uh, the ladies in Tampa he he has a choice with a lot of lovely ladies out there in the bay as well so treat Brady right and Jay said Brady said it a badass jersey. My one big thing or walk off is this. I we're Bucketeers, we're gonna be doing a giveaway package. We're gonna be tweeting tonight or tomorrow the type of giveaway, what we need in the giveaway, etc. 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 And the winner will win the following three things in the package. They're gonna or four things. It's a four-part package. A Luke Godecki signed mini helmet, rookie left guard, Luke Godecki signed mini helmet. Number two, a Bucketeers podcast mini helmet. Number three, an appearance on the Bucketeers, so you guys are able to join us for a show coming up, uh, whether it's our post-game season show or our preview to next week's playoff game. And number four, a random piece of memorabilia or jersey card, autograph card, something along those lines. So Pay attention for the giveaway. It's going to be incredible. You could get a Luke Odecki signed mini helmet, a Bucketeers mini helmet, uh, appearance on the Bucketeers pod, and then you get a piece of memorabilia or a football card from your favorite team. Jay says that's a dope giveaway. We appreciate it. How it's likely going to work, we're going to factor in something about Cowboys-Bucks playoff matchup where you got to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, predict a couple things, yada, yada, yada. There's no limit mark. If five people are in it, five people are in it. Helps your chances of winning it. But you don't want to miss this giveaway of a Luke Odecki signed mini helmet. And it's inscribed, protecting TB12 or fire the cannons, I forget. But either way, it's truly, 
truly incredible. So that's my walk-off. Pay attention to the Bucketeers at B-U-C-C-A-T-E-E-R-S on Twitter. Uh, Jeremy says Brady will either retire or come back here or Miami. I think it's either Bucks or retirement, Jeremy, but Miami's not a bad one to mention either. And the Mike says, is this giveaway open to foreigners? Of course it is, Mike. We've been trying to send you mini helmets and merch all year, but you've never reached out, brother. Uh, we owe you a Bucketeers one anyways, but yes, the giveaway is for you. You could win a Luke Odecki autograph mini helmet, Bucketeers mini helmet, memorabilia, and an appearance on the Bucketeers pod during our playoff run. Cats, last word, stun a last word. Anyone have a last word before we hop out of here? Fuck the Cowboys See? and their creepy fans, especially the ones that listen. That's all I got. <laughs> Love it, Stunna. Not a Cowboy fan. Go Bucks. See you at the stadium. And you're going to, yep, you'll be there. So you're going to get us a W, I'm sure. It all lies in your hands, Stunna. You might not know it. Don't right say now. that. I was at the Bengals game. Well, sadly, you've probably been in a good amount of losses this year being a season ticket guy. But ladies and gentlemen, it's been an incredible Saturday here on the Bucketeers podcast. We want to thank Katz and Stunna for joining us and bringing the heat this morning. And for real, Katz, we'll get together. Send me your address. I got two of these mini helmets for you. I've been, I left them at my buddies. He brought them back here for some reason. They were in Tampa for you. Now they're back in Illinois, so I got to get those shipped out to you. But send me your address. I'm going to hook you up with something else as well. I got a couple cool posters and thank stuff. You, but Jeremy, yeah. appearing on the podcast would be awesome. Hey, if you win the giveaway, brother, you could be on with us next week talking about the playoff matchup and so much more. Fellas, it's been incredible. Fire the damn cannons. On behalf of Cats, on behalf of Stunna, go Bucks, and we'll see you guys Monday. Make sure to pay attention to our Twitter for the giveaway, which could bring you on the Bucketeers, could win you a signed mini helmet, and it could win you a Bucketeers mini helmet memorabilia and so much more. It's been a beautiful Saturday morning. Go on, get out of here. You guys are good to go. Thank you, everyone. Fire the damn cannons and go Bucks. nervous for the Rams, but you got to be a little enthusiastic after being there. Bro, that, that game atmosphere was ridiculous. Energy, electricity. That place was rocking anyone was there. And a lot of the, a lot of the uh, Super Bucks fans were there, too. Tampa Tones. We are joined by Lee Goon tonight, uh, host of the Pat and Aaron show of WDAE. Uh, Pat Donovan. And it sounds like Stunna is bumbling a little bit. Going to put him on mute for a second until that gets a little clear. But we're joined by Pat It looks Donovan. like Stunna is hanging out with Cheech and Chong in a car with the windows up or something over there. <laughs> it does look like you got a little... No, my, my uh, camera's broke. <laughs>